0: talk about this, and this will be a Conspiracy 420 episode 72, and this is The Roots of The Son of Sam, and we're talking a little bit more about The Son of Sam. We had a special guest on the rocker, Mike, and Rob Presents on show, Manny Grossman, and um, he opened some kind of Pandora's box, and um, Mike got some information from um from a president getting blackmailed to a cult to all kind of crazy phenomenon. And um, pretty much we're just trying to figure out what the hell's going on. So, Mike, what you got for me today? Uh, hi, Rob. How you doing?
1: All right. Um, yeah, I, this this whole thing has been a, a fascinating bunch of couple of weeks. I mean, it started with uh, our buddy George Figueroa, who I got to mm-hmm. give credit for kind of beginning to open this Pandora's box for us because he brought up about that Netflix series, The Sons of Sam.
0: Which well, was excellent if you yeah,
1: seen it. It's a four-part series. It's done very well on, on Netflix. A lot of people have seen it. And, you know, it's a topic I've always been interested in since, since the time of The Son of Sam, since I was a kid. I was fascinated by that whole thing. And uh right,
0: you were around that time,
1: right like, yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I was a kid, but I mean I, I was what well, you know <clears throat> so it's funny the the, the summer of seventy seven which I remember I was eight years old, okay, uh the summer of seventy seven is always one of those moments in my life that I remember things, like the blackout I, I was in Brooklyn, and I remember the rioting and people like that the uh, going crazy yeah <laughs> the bronx was burning everywhere was burning and 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 then the son of sam was going on at the same time so i mean there was this element of fear in new york city that i kind of always got uh always remembered and uh if you weren't around then or you were really just too young you, you didn't pick up on it but as as people i know that were obviously adults by parents age and stuff like that remember that as a very scary time um but with this, with this thing here, you know, George brought up the, the, the series, and he said, "Have you ever been to Untomaya Gardens?" And I said, "No. what is that?" He says, "That's Untomaya Park." And I said, "Well isn't that where like a lot of the, the killings and the cult activity was going on around the Son of Sam?" And he said, "Yeah." So just to give a little history, Untomaya Park is up in, the, in Yonkers, okay, and the son of Sam cult. Uh, and again, you have to be familiar with the story. It's not just, you know, David Berkowitz, the killer, doing all the shootings and getting his, his information from a talking dog, okay? The Spike Lee movie probably, the Summer of Sam, probably did more damage to that, made people be brainwashed. People that weren't around then didn't understand what was going on. Then watching that movie, you would just think it was just some crazy guy punching holes in his walls and talking to a dog, Okay. It was a way, way more involved than that. Uh, the, the The expert on it was a journalist named Maury Terry, who wrote a book in 1987 called "The Ultimate Evil." Uh, it's I read a fantastic this book. Book. Y- Yes, yes, I read this book when it came out, uh, and I put it away, and I've always loved the story, but I never reread it until recently, and it uh, blew me away, really blew me away reading it a second time and uh, he had a lot of uh, I mean he studied the Son of Sam murders and the cult around it for 10 years before he wrote that book and he had interviews with david berkowitz even going into the early 90s uh after the book was written now what got me interested in this so much is when me and george and our buddy dan scott went up to yonkers to Untermeyer gardens uh first of all this is a it's a, a state that was bought by Samuel Untermeyer, who was a very powerful, famous lawyer at the turn of the century, 20th century in New York City. Uh, Going to him a lot in this show. Um, when we went up there. we well, Let me ask you, where does the last name come from?
0: That's a weird he, was, last he,
1: he, he was a German immigrant of Jewish descent. He was a Jewish immigrant from the uh, Bavarian Southern Germany area. Untermeyer. I don't, I don't know. What was trans- his mother Jewish? Was his mother Jewish? Good question. I believe so.
0: Because that's believe- the way, pretty much, if you're Jewish, you've got to be from your mother.
1: I believe, I believe it was. Uh, he was uh, she was, I should say. Um, uh, her name was uh, Therese Lodeva. No, that's a good question, because Therese... Teresa is not really a German, uh, Jewish name. Yeah, that's what I was looking at. Yeah, yeah. you know name. what? That's a, good, that's a good point. I will get back to you about that. I didn't pick up on that. Uh, his father's name was Isidore. Uh, but let me just give you a little background about the park for a minute when we were there. Um, it's a creepy place, okay? It's based on kind of the hanging gardens of Babylon. Uh, a lot of Persian designs in there. There's big sculptures of of winged uh lions and and uh there's there's kind of like um these almost like uh it's
0: bizarre shit up it, It's
1: weird. There's Roman yeah. pillars, actual Roman pillars that were brought from Italy, 2000-year-old yeah. pillars. There's things that look like they could be altars and stuff like that. It's a creepy place. And the the, the cult picked up on what was ever happened what 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 was creepy about this place, I guess. And they they basically did their rituals there. There was a place called a carriage house. Uh, There was something called the Devil's Cave. Um, The Devil's Cave is gone. It was demolished. That's where a lot of rituals were done. But the carriage house is still there, and you can still see some of the graffiti on it from that time. Most of it's been taken off, but you can still see it. There's also a a pump house where uh, the old Croton Aqueduct with the old Croton uh, Aqueduct is the is the water supply, the old water supply to New York City. It's not used anymore. But these pump houses were access points to it. And on the old Croton Trail in, in Yonkers, you can go down into these pump houses back in the 70s and go down there and, and just hang out. And this is what they did. And, and it was uh, a lot of rituals and, and crazy blood sacrifices and stuff going on. Now, my question when I that, that was really bugging me when I was at that, Park and it bugged me afterwards is why this place? Why Unto Maya gardens? Who well, Mike, was... when you
0: look at that thing, that whole thing, that thing with the, the lines, the wing, it looks like a coliseum, like a place that you want to do a freaking sacrifice.
1: Yes, I mean there's a temple there uh <laughs> with, with a Medusa's head on yeah. the ground in the middle of a bunch of tiles. A Medusa's head is painted in there. Also, if you look up Unto Maya Gardens and you do see the uh, I believe it's called the Temple of Love, if I remember right, that, that, that at the bo- bottom of what was called the Thousand Steps with the Roman columns coming up, two Roman columns. Supposedly, if you, back in the 70s when this place was in disrepair, you could lift up those tiles and there was a place under there where you could go down and sit. There were two, chair, two stone benches and something like an altar Inside now, why would that be there? Okay, why was that constructed into the original design? This goes back to the early part of the 20th century. So my, my question was why unto Maya Gardens? What was it about this place that this cult decided to go in there? There's lots of parks in Yonkers. I mean, yes, it was deserted, yes, it was places that you could be hidden a little bit, not entirely though, because St. John's Riverside hospital is right there. And people that worked in the hospital used to see into the woods and would see torches and hear chanting. This is back in the seventies, uh, you know, and things going on. So it wasn't that they were totally into being hidden. Otherwise they would have gone somewhere else or deeper into the woods there. Okay. So it had something to do with the park, Rob, yeah. Maury Terry interviewed David Berkowitz. Uh, oh, yeah, many times. Okay. Right. And he was in contact with him uh, through letters also, okay, over the years. Berkowitz told Maury Terry that uh, Samuel Untermeyer was an occultist. He was in what was called the Golden Dawn, which, yeah. was, which was a cult that existed in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Now, now the, the, probably the most famous person of the occult in the last few hundred years is Alistair Crowley. And yep. Alistair Crowley was a member of the golden dawn. And Alistair Crowley was living in New York during the height of Samuel and Demiah's power. Okay. As a lawyer, uh, and this was during the time of World War I. I'm going to get into all that now, okay? Um, little history about Samuel Antomaya. He was born either March 6th, March 7th, or June 6th, 1858. Nobody seems to know. He yeah. died March 16th, 1940. He was born, interesting enough, in Lynchburg, Virginia, to a father of, uh, named Isidore Untermeyer and a mother named Therese Laudaber. Both were German Jews from Bavaria. That is what the, the record says. Okay. Now, Therese is not exactly a German name, uh, a Jewish name, but it's possible that her mother could have been Jewish and it could have been passed down, right? Yep. So, his father, Isidore, was a lieutenant in the Confederate States Army. He fought for the South. Now, he died a year after the Civil War was over in 1866. After that, Untermeyer's family moved up to New York City. Untermeyer, very smart kid, okay, uh, he attended City College, and he got his, his lawyer degree at Columbia in 1878. That
0: That's impressive, is. you know? Yeah,
1: he was 20 years old, yeah. 20 years old, okay? He recruited, once he was out of law school, he recruited one of his Columbia classmates named Louis Marshall into his law firm with, a, uh, I believe, a cousin of his named Randolph Guggenheimer. Okay, in 1895. So he practiced independently and then started a law firm uh, in 1895 called Guggenheimer, Untermeyer and Marshall. This was one of the most powerful law firms in the country and especially New York City for approximately 45 years. They dealt with mostly corporate law, okay, and then also in the later years of Untermeyer's life he got into a lot of like uh, political, uh, reform and welfare reform and things like that. Wow. Yeah. Now, um, he was a big proponent of the progressive era. Mm-hmm. And he was the, he was also the first lawyer to make a million dollar dollars on one case. Okay. He was the very first lawyer to make a million dollars on representing one person for one case. Um, And when I say he was a proponent of the progressive era, what was the progressive era? Well, this was an era in the early part of the 1900s where you had things like... uh, Well, there was guys like Teddy Roosevelt who were considered progressives on the Republican side. Uh, Untermeyer was a staunch (laughs) Democrat, so it didn't matter which side you were on. You could be progressive on both sides. But the progressives were... You know, believed in big government. Uh, they believed in a lot of regulation on things. Um, guys like Teddy Roosevelt uh, were were uh, big on breaking up the trusts that were going on. The uh, yeah, the especially bank, the like bank trusts. the stock market, right? Right. The, the, a lot of the the corporations were running amok. <clears throat> needed they a lot of people were getting ripped off. They needed to rein that in. But a lot of people don't know, too, that Teddy Roosevelt was a big conservationist. He was also a, uh, you know, he was into the environment and the, the ecology and he wanted to preserve parklands. He, st- he started the, the, uh, the National Park Service and all that stuff. Anyway, not to talk about him, but Untermeyer politically was the opposite of a Teddy Roosevelt, but, yeah. but he was still <clears throat> a progressive. Now, progressives, some of them, more radical ones believed in eugenics which was basically weeding out the 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 bad people which in this case were the black and brown people okay yeah (laughs) Uh, you know through through you know weeding them out through uh birth control okay um people like margaret sanger who started planned parenthood was a big progressive person okay big proponent of the eugenics uh, Margaret's uh, birth control back in the in the day in the 20s and the early part of the 20th century uh, to people in in you know black neighborhoods Hispanic people uh, just to keep down those populations because she was a racist and believed that these people were inferior. Now people like Hitler took this stuff to a, a farther degree. Okay, oh, hell yeah. right now, but getting back to Untermeyer now. He was also involved in what was called the Pujo Committee. The Pujo Committee was a, a committee that investigated the banking trust activities that were going on. Now, this was a bipartisan thing. Republicans and Democrats were interested in reining in what was going on on Wall Street, the monopolies, the antitrust. We learned this in school and high school as kids, you yeah. know, about this time. And there's a lot of information out there on, and people could check it out, what was going on. Uh, a lot of things, there was, there, was a, there, was, there was definitely a power play going on at that time between the government and people that were wealthy, that were in business, the Carnegies, the Rockefellers, the J.P. Morgans, and I would have to say the Untermeyers. Untermeyer was extremely wealthy by this point, okay? In,
0: you got to think, him being a lawyer, the education he got, You need the money to do that.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, there's no there's no evidence that he didn't you know, he didn't have money as even as a child. I mean, to move from Virginia up to New York City, you know, his father was a famous military guy, I guess.
0: Uh, Who knows how he got who
1: knows how he got that money. He was in in the Confederate Army. Who knows what they did to get that kind of money?
0: Yeah. You know what's crazy about that? That's probably like old money that they were like, fuck these people. Let's just take
1: our old money and start well, leaving I mean, that out. I mean, it may have been money. They may have had money immigrating over here. Okay. Yeah. What was happening in the, in, the, in the mid part of the 1800s uh, that, would, that would have made uh, Untermeyer's family immigrate from Germany over to the United States was, was persecution. OK, the, you know, there's always been anti-Semitism and problems in that part of the world. It didn't just start with Nazi Germany. OK, uh, Eastern Europe and stuff going back with the Russians in the early part of the 19th century. They were killing Jews. There's always been that kind of element there. Um, I don't know if that's the reason they came over. I'm just assuming I'm suspecting that, but I'm not positive. OK, did he have money when he came over? Well, he must have had something because you can't just come here. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Got to pay for a ship. You got to pay for and, you know, to, to to settle down in Lynchburg, Virginia, which was kind of a well-to-do kind of city at the time. And then, he, of course, he joined the Southern Army at some point. Who knows what kind of raping and plundering they did in the war? OK. Just throwing it out there. I have no proof of that. OK. But getting back to. But well, you're just throwing it out there. <laughs> I'm throwing, Well, I'm throwing it out there because, you know, if anybody listens and they go, well, yeah, I know this, this or this. Maybe they'll let me know. You yeah. know, maybe maybe we'll find out from some from one of our listeners. And I mean, a lot of what I have here is fact. Most of what I have here is fact. But I'm, I am going to make some assumptions, but I will let you know when I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this Pujo committee that was investigating the monopolies and the banking trust stuff going on. uh the outcome of it ended up the creation of the federal reserve. Yeah. Okay. Now what's the federal reserve federal reserve is in charge of all our currency. People think because it says federal reserve, it's part of the government. It is not. It's a corporation. It's a private corporation. It's a private corporation that has never been audited in over a hundred years of its existence. Okay. It has incredible control over our economy. It decides the interest rates, uh, and, you know, it's done things to manipulate our economy in ways that are definitely not good for the average people. Uh, in you know, in the in the 1930s, Roosevelt, uh, FDR, confiscated all of the gold of of people. People gave up their gold. They voluntarily did it. Okay, uh, we weren't allowed to hold a certain amount of gold by law. Okay, a lot of people gave it up. Did some people fight? Yeah. But in the long run, they really confiscated everybody's gold. This yeah, what do you bef- think about that? That's kind of crazy. Well, look, he, he manipulated people into belief. Like, you know, the New Deal and the things going into the New Deal. Uh, there, was, there was a lot of, you know, almost fascism woven into that. And that's going to piss off a lot of people, me saying that. Because people to this day think FDR was like the greatest president of all time. And you know there was a lot of things he wanted to do. He he was a progressive. He was he was part of the Wilson administration, which we'll talk yeah, about Wilson to, in a that, little bit. You, you want to get into a guy that's
0: pretty that had definitely if stuff came out from him, the guy wasn't as uh, squeaky clean as people no. thought. He did a lot of deals. He did a lot of fucked up shit that people don't realize.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, pack. He tried to pack the court, which is something we're hearing about today. All of yeah. this was this was progressive era politics okay and we're seeing it again today now mike i would say doesn't that look like what's happening today it, it does which really blew my mind when i was researching this i'm like this is just like deja vu all over again <laughs> you know to, to to quote yogi Berra. okay you know deja does, vu all over I guess again guess
0: what's the new goal the new goal watch them find a way to cancel out bitcoin and all that money that you can't really yeah. that you really can't watch that thing collapse
1: yeah, well, that's the thing. The, the The Federal Reserve has a lot of power and too much power. And the, going back to its creation, it's really had no, uh, no accountability. The, the, it, it does what it wants to do, and everyone just goes along with it, and everyone's in line with it because it's just another corrupt corporation. You got to wonder what this Pujo committee was really trying to do. Were they trying to just stop the control of maybe a few wealthy Donald Trump type people that were that were you know controlling things in the economy too much to their liking see now just to get off topic for one second jp morgan was a person that they investigated jp yeah. morgan was considered you know one of those robber barons right the carnegies the rockefellers the robber barons yeah. you know the people big on us steel big on the railroads all that stuff samuel Untermeyer his arch enemy at that time was jp morgan okay they had a rivalry that was back and forth in the press and everything and during i believe the pujo committee uh he cross examined jp morgan Yeah. okay and you know it was it was big news at the time that he was going to cross examine him and he
0: was it one of his uh, response
1: what's <laughs> What? was like, I like a little competition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I like a little competition. And I believe it was J.P. Morgan that called Untermeyer the Beast. Okay? In and, and, and a quote. And it's interesting because <laughs> the Beast is the nickname to Aleister Crowley. Whoa, oh. Okay, now, let's just not assume anything. We don't know yet. Okay? Here's a story I want to tell. Okay? Um, Samuel Untermeyer was a big supporter of Woodrow Wilson. Okay. uh, And really assisted getting him into power. He was a a delegate in the Electoral College, okay, uh, in New York. Uh, He was involved in, you know, a lot of Tammany Hall Democrat, uh, when, I mean, you know, tabity Hall, we, we know, was corrupt. Uh, Democrat. Things. OK. Um, he also identified himself as a Zionist. Now, what's a Zionist? Yeah. Was a person and some people are still considered Zionists today, but it's kind of pointless. Uh, a Zionist was someone that was of Jewish descent that I believe that. It, thing. Belie- I see nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing. I, no, I know a, nothing. <laughs> a, a Zionist was somebody that was interested in having a homeland for the Jewish people. This was before Israel was created. So Jews were scattered throughout Europe, throughout the United States, uh, other parts of the world, and they did not have homeland. A Zionist was a person back in those days that was for the creation of that. Okay, now, what I'm going to give you now is some information about Untermeyer. It's based on a man named Benjamin Friedman's book. Okay. Uh, Benjamin Friedman wrote a book called Facts or Facts. Uh, he was a Zionist, he was, he was a comrade of, of Untermeyer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, they knew each other. I don't know if they were friends, but they, they knew each other, part of the same movement. And for reasons unknown to me at this point, Bro- the Zionist movement actually became a Christian and converted and started to talk about the Zionist movement uh, and gave speeches even going into the 1960s, okay? Uh, his speeches would actually be put on records. People could buy them and listen to them, okay? And I'm not going to get into yeah. the politics you- of Zionism, have right, you ever
0: seen, um, have you ever heard, um, this, pe- this people that got records, right? DJs that they put his speech in, and then they put all this like techno music in the background. It sounds pretty creepy, and it's that guy
1: talking Friedman, really? Yeah, I have not heard that. That's holy, holy, sh- that's weird. It's fucking weird. It's fucking bizarre, dude. Oh, <laughs> is that on YouTube? You got a, is that on YouTube? Yeah,
0: look it up. It's I creepy didn't, as, I,
1: creepy I did find, fucked. okay, I will check that out, but. Well, Friedman, to me, you know, makes a lot of sense in what he says. Uh, I don't know a lot about the guy. I'm going to research him more. But I don't want to get into all the politics of Zionism because we'll get thrown off the air. Okay, (laughs) but but I will say that that Untermeyer was a Zionist. Now, right after Woodrow Wilson got into power and he was a new new resident of the of the White House, uh, he invited Samuel Untermeyer over to dinner. And Untermeyer said, sure. And he comes over and surprisingly enough, he to Wilson. Okay, he starts to talk to him about a client he has who was a wife of a former Princeton professor that Woodrow Wilson was a colleague with back in his professor days at Princeton. Uh, Of course, he went on to be governor of New Jersey and then president. But he started out as a professor. Yeah. A- and he had with him at this dinner four letters that the wife of this colleague uh, had that Woodrow Wilson had written her back when they were neighbors on the campus okay, of Princeton. And apparently these letters are quite incriminating because it kind of showed almost an affair or, or possibly a desire to have an affair. Okay, Woodrow wrote these kind of endearing letters to her, and she kept them. So, what happened to her was she ended up divorcing this professor that she was married to, remarried, and was living in the D.C. area. And her new husband had a son from a prior marriage who was in deep financial trouble. He was a banker. Now it's unclear exactly what the details are, but it looks like he owed the bank that he worked for money, which to to me sounds like embezzlement, but I'm not sure. Okay. Mm $40,000. So this, (laughs) this woman felt that Woodrow Wilson might be the guy to help and pay off this debt. well, Woodrow looked at the, he looked at he looked at the uh, the notes, and he said, "Yeah, I I I wrote these," he admitted it. And Untermeyer said to him, "Well, you know, she wants forty thousand dollars, so this is blackmail. This part this person is blackmailing the president of the United States through Untermeyer." Yeah, it's amazing, amazing. So. Untamaya says, give me a couple of days to, Untamaya said to him, I'll give you a couple of days to mull over this, you know, because, because Wilson said, I don't have $40,000 to spend. So a couple of days later go, go by and Untamaya speaks to Wilson and he says to him, I have an idea on how you can get out of this problem. I will pay the $40,000, meaning Untamaya would pay this woman, his client. that she's asking to get her stepson out of trouble under one condition. Supreme Court pick happens. The next Supreme Court pick that you get, and there was one that was due. I think uh, there was one justice that was going to retire or something like that. Uh, Could I I want that pick? In other words, you would allow me to make this pick for you. That's crazy, man. And Woodrow Wilson agreed. How crazy is that? That's fucking nuts. Okay? So, not too long after, the Supreme Court pick comes up. Woodrow agreed to this, by the way. He said, okay, I'll do it. Okay? So, the pick comes up, and Untermyer calls him up, and he basically, uh, he, he said, I want you to put in a guy named Louis Dembit's Brandeis for the vacancy. Now, now Brandeis. Is that
0: what uh, the school Brandeis in uh, New York City is named after him?
1: I believe so. Okay. Yeah. Other, other, right, because he was a famous New York, uh, uh, he was in politics, I believe. He was, yeah. he was, he was a lawyer. Uh, I don't know if he was an actual judge. It's a good question. Probably was on a lower court. Okay. But he was also the first Jew to ever sit on the Supreme Court. Okay. Because he got appointed. Woodrow Wilson appointed him and he got through the the appointing process and he became a Supreme Court judge. Brandeis even knew that this was how he got in. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he became friends, fast friends, with Woodrow Wilson Mm -hmm. for some reason that nobody quite understands. But if you Check out what I'm going to say coming up. I think you can figure out why. Okay. What happened was they became fast friends. Now, Brandeis was part of this Zionist movement. Same as Untermeyer, same as Benjamin Friedman. So I believe Bernard Baruch was another person who was big you know, out of New York. Baruch College, the Baruch Projects, Baruch this, Baruch that. Okay. Yeah. That's, you hear that name in New York City all the time. All the time. Okay. So, um, when Brandeis was, was, was Supreme Court, he, he was paddling around with Woodrow Wilson and he was giving him advice, giving him political advice, things, th- things going on in the world at the time. What was going on? Well, the, uh, the German, uh, the, the world war one began in 1914. Okay. Uh, you know, they the Germans were sinking British ships, all over the place, okay? There was that, are we going to get into this war? Are we not going to get into this war? Push and pull. Woodrow Wilson was publicly telling people, uh, you know, we won't get involved in a European conflict. It's not our fight. But behind the scenes, he was being told by Brandeis and some other people to get involved. Okay. (laughs) All right. Now, 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 there's no, you know, what the coincidence of 1914 being... The beginning of World War One, and 1914, beginning of the Federal Reserve, is not a coincidence. All right, there's a, there's something there. All right, that war was was financed by the biggest biggest players of the world. The Rothschilds were involved in financing that war. Okay, uh, many other big families were involved with that. They 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 supplied uh, cur- currency money for both sides to keep that war going okay British the British government didn't have enough money to fight that war they it was a stalemate half the time that war when you read about it they couldn't nobody was really breaking through all the fighting was done in France. in France not one bit of fighting was ever done on German soil not one bit of fighting was ever done on British soil it was all done on French soil and they they basically were going bankrupt in fighting this war and they borrowed money and they borrowed money to keep it going OK, the Rothschilds were big on, fi- on financing that war, especially to England. OK. Yeah. Anyway, so um, by April 17th, 1917, uh, the, one of the main events that got us into World War I was the sinking of the SS Sussex in the English Channel. Now, the SS Sussex was a British ship, but at the time there were quite a few Americans on that ship. Yeah. So. So a lot of Americans had lost their lives. Uh, Brandeis was saying that is enough reason to get into the war. Also, there was something out there about the German government through Mexico was trying to start an, a Mexican-American war. Supposedly letters were found between German yeah. spies and the Mexican government that saying this was what they were trying to do. I always felt that that was that was fake, that that, that was, was fake. that, that was, was fake, 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 fake news. Fake news.
0: But Mike, you know what's interesting about that? The German had a way of communicating, like by, um, they were communicating with the boats, so they knew how to sink. They were sinking a lot of boats, and they had this form of communication.
1: Yeah, well, well, I mean, World War One's fascinating. I mean, it was the first time that submarines were used. Yeah. In, okay, though, even in the Civil War, there was a couple of submarines used by us. But not uh, like this. Not like this. They didn't have, you know, the U boat, the German U boat perfected submarines and of course in World War II it would be even more effective okay but yeah. Uh, yeah they had you know and there were spies there were, there were German spies all over the world now Untermeyer believe it or not uh, during the war was well up to the war okay was pro-German okay very pro-German in fact the history of the country the united states we were always pro-german okay now what happened right 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 around the time right around the time of the ss sussex okay and even even the lusitania in 1916 the sinking of that and the lusitania is going to be important in a minute when i talk about alistair crowley okay but but the you know, these events were happening. Ships were being sunk. Cargo was going to the bottom of the ocean. Millions and millions of dollars worth of shit lost. Okay. And, uh, you know, what, 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 what to do? Okay. Do we get into this war? Or do we not? Um, the problem was the, the public was pro-German. All right. There were a lot of German-American immigrants. Right. German immigrants in America. They were doing very well in this country. Okay. They got into things like... You know, in the case of Untermeyer, law, politics, they got into uh, breweries. I mean, all the beer that we drink in this country, okay, really came from German technology going back 150 years ago, okay? Even the, even the Mexicans with Corona, the Germans taught them how to brew beer. They didn't know how to brew beer until the 1860s, 1870s, all right? They, 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 the Germans were involved in Mexico and taught them how to brew, all right? So um, the country was mostly pro-German. But when these thinking started to happen, the Zionist movement, who had a lot of control in the media, almost overnight, our media coverage switched. And all of a sudden, German, this was during World War I, but before our involvement, okay? All of a sudden, the media switched in this country. And we became totally pro England. Okay. And pro the, the, you know, the, the, um, powers. Okay. In in World, World War I, hear something? you yeah. know,
0: what's one thing that Jewish people learned from the German? What?
1: If you control the media, you control all the information or the news. I, I, I think they probably, maybe it's the other way around. <laughs> I think that maybe the Germans got it from the Jews. I don't know. OK, no, but the, the, remember Germany or you know, the propaganda that we're putting out the control. Everything. That was during because, the Second World War. Yeah, yeah the Second World yeah, War. But, yeah. But, so you're but, tell, but
0: you're telling me you think the Germans learned from them, you know, somebody. Well, told somebody, well, somebody
1: <laughs> figured something out. OK, it might go back before that. OK, I believe even even under Marxism. Karl Marx talked about controlling the media and controlling the people. So there's all there's all different reasons Brand, why they got it.
0: Brenda's was very big about Jewish life and, and businesses. And, you know, this, shit, this well,
1: shit goes deep, man. It is very deep. But what I what I got to emphasize is how much the country in the media flipped and became anti-German. Anything German was was bad. They would depict. German, German soldiers killing babies, eating babies in, in newspaper cartoons. In case- you, could, you, couldn't call, you couldn't call a Frankfurter a Frankfurter. You had to call it a hot dog. That's how you get the word hot dog. Okay? It, oh, has, yeah. to, it has to do with because during World War I, the Germans were considered evil in the media, and you had to change the name. Okay? Mike, um, is
0: that why there were so many, like, um, Americans that were German sympathizers? yeah because they they want to deal with this
1: yeah it's crazy yeah there was look woodrow wilson and we could do a whole show on this guy okay he created the uh the american legion yeah now we all know the american legion today the american legion is a patriotic organization that supports veterans and 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 people like that and you know that's what they do, yeah, like American Legion halls and stuff like that. But how do they, they get? They got started? great
0: price. They got great. They got great prices on booze.
1: Yes, they do. They, <laughs> yes, any American Legion party, you, you, it's usually an open bar. Okay, so anyway, and when uh, they
0: do the Jack Daniels it's like twenty five cents. Twenty five cents <laughs> is shot. ridiculous. Not, yeah,
1: I, I, I know, I know. So, um, but the the beginnings of the American Legion had nothing to do with what it became. It had to do with rooting out people that were against World War I. Okay? It had to do with ratting people out that were against World War I. Okay? Now, uh... Where are your papers? Right. People disappeared. People that spoke out against that war disappeared. Woodrow Wilson made them gone. No one knew what happened to them. Okay? Uh we're kind of getting off topic because I want to bring it back to Untermyer a little bit. Okay. Now, Brandeis, you know, influenced Woodrow Wilson enough that I think he decided to declare war. Yeah. Okay. He did so, war. you know, so through, through Untermeyer's interference and, 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 and blackmailing this president, we got into a war. Now, why did he want that? Well, if he was a Zionist, the idea was that they would uh, – a Jewish homeland would come out of a war. Now, why would that happen? Because the central powers, which were Germany uh, and, and – uh, it was Germany and Austria-Hungary and the Ottoman Empire. Now, what was the Ottoman Empire? Well, the Ottoman Empire had all Turkey, the, whole, the, the, the Holy Land, okay – all the way going back for centuries, okay, the Muslim Empire. Now, out of the ashes of World War I, all uh, right, came the, the, the destruction of the Ottoman Empire. And that's, then you get countries like Iran, you get countries like Iraq, okay, countries like Jordan. They redrew the map. Woodrow Wilson spent six months away from the United States after to, to, to work on the Treaty of Versailles to punish Germany for a war that they never started, okay? Uh, Blame them for the entire thing. And they were the biggest, most powerful country on the planet at that point uh, as far as technology, science, things like that. They were doctors, medical things, you know, things like that. The German country was very powerful, okay? They also had a huge military, which was just defeated, all right? out of that other countries were redrawn. The map was redrawn and there was a way which I don't want to get into it too much, but there was a way to get a Jewish homeland out of that. So that's all I'm going to say with that. Okay. Um, and it did happen eventually. All right. Now here's where I want to talk about getting back to the sun, Sam, because we, it seems like we've gone a long way to come back to this. Okay. Why did the cult around the son of Sam uh, pick Untemaya Park? All right. Well, Untemaya. you got
0: any relation to a Judy Julian L Baker?
1: No, not that I know of. Why? Are you sure? (laughs) Yeah. Why?
0: Because we talk about Crowley and the and the Golden Dawn.
1: (laughs) Oh well, yeah. There's a is there a person named that that's that's in it? I I don't you know. He was
0: one of the guys that started talking to
1: Crowley, <laughs> so I'm just asking. You. No, no, no relation that I know of. Okay. Okay. Um, now, now, <laughs> Untermeyer, Uh, he was married to a woman named Minnie Carl, Minnie Carl Untamaya. Okay. And. Mini com- almost sound sinister. <laughs> it does kind of, right? Okay, now, let me back up before I get into mini-call. I'm getting ahead of myself here. What's Antomaya's connection to the occult, if any? Well, David Berkowitz uh, gave Mori Terry information about Samuel Antomaya, saying that the guy who owned Antomaya Gardens, where the sacrifices were done uh, and the cult activity occurred, was a member of the Golden Dawn in his time. Now, what was the Golden Dawn? We could probably do a whole show on this. The Golden Dawn was a powerful occult organization based out of England, but they had chapters throughout the United States, and there was one in New York City, and it was called the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. And Untermeyer was supposedly a member of this. Now, I'm assuming... That's what David Berkowitz says is true. I don't, I was unable to find any link between Untermeyer and the Golden Dawn that says, yeah, he was a member of it during this time or whatever. But what's interesting is the circumstantial evidence around this. Now, Untermeyer built this uh, estate, he bought this estate, the Greystone Estate, from Samuel Tilden. Samuel Tilden was the former governor of New York of New York State. He was involved in the famous 1870 election dispute with Rutherford Rutherford B. Hayes, where the election went to Congress and he's got the rug pulled out from under him and Rutherford B. Hayes became president of the United States. Uh, Did he get the rug pulled out from under him? Yeah, he was sort of expected to be the. the the winner, but he did not win because of wheelings and dealings in Congress that got Rutherford B. Hayes in there. Now kind of sounds almost like what's happening today. Um, he bought this estate from Tilden and he wanted to create this estate onto gardens based on, uh, Persian design, the hanging gardens of Babylon, uh, a lot of strange designs that to me look like they could be something of the occult. Okay. Uh, There's that one so-called temple with the Medusa's head inside uh, on the tile. Um, There's also, like I said, the two Roman columns that are actual Roman columns, 2000 year old Roman columns that were brought over from Rome and planted there with that altar, and bench area that was underground on the outside that you would lift this up and go down into this area where you could sit. And there was like an altar right there. Okay. Uh, also there's secret tunnels all through onto Maya gardens. Now a lot of them supposedly have been sealed up. Now they've been fixing up the park. The park is in control of the, by the city of Yonkers and I believe the state and there's a lot of restoration going on, but there's a lot of weird tunnels between these different statues and structures throughout the park, okay? Now, when you're in Unto Maya Park, there's a general creepiness about the place. You don't hear a bird sing. You don't hear a bug. You don't hear an animal. It's very eerily quiet in there, okay? Uh, and you walk around, and you know th- th- you can go on a guided tour. In my case, when I went, I, I, me and George and Dan just dicked around and checked all these places out on our own we were trying to stay off the beaten trail away from the tour Uh, but we were looking at all these things and we found some of these like entrances to tunnels they were sealed off doors were concreted up but these were places that there were tunnels underneath this whole park why do you have that what's in those tunnels okay Uh, we don't know All right, now um, during the time of World War I Nineteen fourteen, nineteen fifteen. Alice de Crowley, who was the occultist that most people think of when they think of the occult, uh, you know, he influenced everybody from, you know, Jimmy Page. Who, you know, Jimmy Page bought his mansion on Loch Ness in Scotland. Uh, We could do a show about Alice de Crowley. It's it's crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah, Um, crazy shit. Yeah. Now he came to New York. And he was a member of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. He would later leave that order and start the OTO, which was an order that, uh, should I say he started it? Because I'm not certain. But he became a member of it. But even in the Golden Dawn and in the OTO, he was always kind of a, a rebel, a renegade. He didn't follow the rules. Um, in fact, when he was in the OTO later on, he was sort of kicked out for a while because he was talking too much and exposing how sex could bring magical powers. Now, Aleister Crowley was a bisexual. Uh, He also had sex with prostitutes constantly. Uh, He believed in this power that could be brought on through sexual intercourse. Oh, hell yeah. Occultic power. Okay. Oh, you can, you can float. You can fly in Superman. Exactly. Right? So that's what... He was very involved with that. Now, when he came to the United States, uh, he actually sailed over on the Lusitania, Okay, which I mm-hmm. thought was a crazy connection, uh, about two years before it was sunk by the German submarines. That's pretty sick. He, he, <laughs> he, settled, he settled in a, uh, an area around West 36th Street. Okay? What he began to do was sell or try to sell to people his published works. He had books. He had books of poetry. He had books of the occult, things that he wrote. And he was selling them. Now, you would think that's kind of strange. Well, not really, because at that time, people were very interested in the occult. Average people. Okay. It was especially the elites, especially the elites of New York City. Okay. The elites... Of probably Washington D.C. Okay, the elites of the world. Okay, the powerful people. Many of them Mike, were into the occult. Sort
0: of, that goes all the way back to the bones, uh, bones Girl, the masons, all these people. That supposedly they're, they're like cults, but even 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 to uh, Bohemian group, these Bohemian Grove. Oh, yeah. Thing, all this stuff is connected. The, the elites yeah. have its own. The, it's like members only.
1: Yeah, you got to yeah. have. A well, why, do they, of why do they get in, Why do they groups? get? Why do they get into the cult? An occult because of because of power. They want to keep their power. They want to gain more power, more control. And okay? they also
0: want to have something over other rich
1: people so they don't yep. fuck each other. Right, and a lot of it had to do with having this power based on sex. Okay, yes. now that's when you start getting into things like pedophilia. Okay you start getting into you know these you know sex with children sex with same sex all kinds of things to create this power and magic okay yep to advance your your stance in society okay it's insane it's insane sense. now 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 it's insane
0: s- sex power and money come on yeah Now, was one, one... the three most craziest yeah. shit ever and and everything and the, and that's the ways the world's control man like you know what? It's like, dude, the, the guy with the most money has a beautiful wife, you know? You don't see too many rich guy with ugly wife.
1: <laughs> no, no. Now, no. interestingly, is when he, Alistair Crowley got to New York, he connected with a guy named John Quinn who ended up buying a lot of his books and stuff, okay? John Quinn was a very powerful lawyer in New York, okay? He had actually at that point, uh, about two years earlier, gave up on law, practicing law, and he became a patron of the arts. Okay? Now, what's the patron of the arts? A patron of the arts is a person that, you know, promotes art. Uh, And art could be paintings. It could be manuscripts, books. It could be music. Okay? All different things that you might consider art. When you become a patron of the arts, you're usually a very wealthy person. And you promote these things and you help these artists. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. Okay. But Quinn bought a lot of Alistair Crowley's work. Interestingly. Okay. Now, why would you do that? You're obviously promoting the occult. Okay. Or you're interested in the occult itself. Now, John, John Quinn was, was, was when he was a lawyer, he was involved in Tammany Hall politics. Mm. All right. Now he gave it up because he his candidate for the nineteen twelve election didn't get the Democratic nomination. Woodrow Wilson did. Okay. Now there were some other candidates. I'm not certain who Quinn was for on the D on the on the Democrat side, but it wasn't Wilson. Okay. So he quit that and he gave up that and became a patron of the arts. He also got involved with Irish nationalist causes. Um what he did was during World War I, he also worked for British intelligence, this guy, John Quinn. Now, guess who else worked for British intelligence? Who? Oh. Aleister Crowley. Whoa. Alistair Crowley during World War I was a double agent. Okay. He infiltrated the pro-German people and organizations in New York. And other parts of the United States and reported back to British intelligence what was going on. Wow. Okay. Yes. He even like, would give speeches, giving these pro-German speeches. They were almost in s- crazy sounding. Like, you know, uh, I, I don't have an example of one, but just crazy pro-German And the German pro-German people would flock to him and he would report back what they were saying if they were organizing any problems, this and that, okay? Uh, you know, during World War I, the army used to keep on Governor's Island right off, right off of Manhattan, uh, there was an ammunition dump there. They kept tons of ammunition. Well, German spies blew that up, okay, during World War I. They blew up that dump. All right. So, you know, the war had kind of like reached our shores in a way. Okay. Now, it was a serious thing that, you know, we a lot of pro-German people, especially in the New York on the East Coast area. Okay. They needed to be watched and Crowley volunteered to do this. John Quinn was a person that helped him with this. Okay. Now, did he get him involved? I'm not sure exactly what the connection is there. Probably got him involved with it and then just was a person he answered to. Now, do you think, this is assuming, I have no proof of the connection, but do you think that Untermeyer, being a hot shot, shark of a lawyer, getting involved in Tammany politics, do you think it's a good chance he knew John Quinn?
0: Yeah, well, it's a very, 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 very
1: definitely good content- chance each other i think they had to know each other they had they were both lawyers in new york City. Uh, hot shot million dollar lawyers yeah okay.
0: but and if they did they probably had a lot of the same bet fed mm-hmm.
1: exactly so here's where it starts to get a little bit of a gray area and i'm gonna just draw some lines here that i think connect but i could be totally wrong okay let me talk about uh or oh, you could be totally right. Somebody, could from, be. somebody
0: from the family will come see you and shit. Bye, bye, <laughs> Yeah,
1: you better shut up about this. <laughs> <laughs> How much are you gonna pay me? Um, so, again, the Untermeyers were involved in, uh, in in Tammany Hall. Untermeyer was, and Quinn was, and Quinn was involved with Alice De Crowley on that you know, espionage level, but he was also involved with them from an artistic perspective, from his books, books of poetry, books of of, of the occult. Now let's go to Untermeyer. Untermeyer was married to a woman named Minnie Carl Untermeyer. Okay? And she was a patron of the arts. All right. Her thing was music, all right, and she got Gustav Mahler, the famous uh, classical musical artist, to conduct the New York Philharmonic at one time, which was a big deal. Uh, She was also the president of the Poets Society of America. All right. And she was the daughter of a journalist named Manilius Carl. Now, Manilius Carl and his daughter, Minnie, were German immigrants, okay, but they were not Jewish. Now, I think it's very interesting that a man named Samuel Untermeyer, who was a Zionist, very pro-Jewish, pro-Jewish causes, wanted a Jewish homeland, would not marry a Jew. You get what I'm, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Why would he not marry a Jew? Okay. You
0: know, what's I mean, weird about his grandson was a nuclear uh, a chemist, right?
1: Yeah, and his son, Irwin, was a famous judge in New York as well.
0: How funny is it that Not that, a lot
1: family, of- that whole family stayed there. They're still in power in a way. or They, they all ran for governor. Or they were yeah. all lawyers. Well, there was it's a crazy. lot of money. There's a lot of money there. He was a very, very wealthy man. When he died, his kids did well. You know, he, they he passed it on to them. But Antimya, why would he? Why would he not marry a, a Jewish woman? Why would he not think that that was important to do? Because in the Jewish faith, you pass down your, your 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 Jewish faith through your mother, so it would be important for a man to marry a Jewish woman to pass down the Jewish faith. Now you could say, well, maybe he just fell in love with this woman and it was perfect and he didn't care. Okay, but then you have all these other, you know. Pro, pro, pro Jewish causes. Not every Jew in those days was a Zionist. Okay. You know, they weren't. Okay. Um, Interestingly, though, is that. It's interesting that those people are like New York Jews, right? Right.
0: All these people push for that land, right? And it's so funny now that the New York Jew and the Israeli Jews, they just shit on each other.
1: Yeah. Well, we got to be careful where we go with this, what you're saying, Rob, because... <laughs>
0: no, but I'm saying they're really, yeah. true. like, they're like, yeah. oh, we live in Israel, this and that, because that's how not Israelis here, but they definitely treat the New York Jews different than they
1: did. Well, 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 New York Jews are, you know, the Upper West Side, limousine liberal type of, of Jewish person. Yeah. Is very liberal, okay? And then liberal today is usually anti anti-Israel, so... Yeah. You have that, that split within the Orthodox and the Reformed Jews, and there's a whole, you know, very touchy, touchy, touchy area. Yes. Okay. It is. It is. But I, fe- I, 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 fe- I was doing my research for this show literally 10 minutes before we started, okay, because I found out something just, you know, right before we started the show. This, the wife, okay, mini Carl,
0: okay, yeah.
1: Married to Manilius Carl. Now, I thought, I said, you know, he's a German guy from Germany, immigrates yes. to the United States. Where does he get this name Manilius? Okay. And, and, and why does that sound like an old name? Like a, like a Roman name or something like that? Why would that it? Really? Manili- well, guess what? Okay, what? Manilius, in Roman times was an astrologer and a poet, okay? And he wrote a five-volume book of poetry called The Astromacon. And The Astromacon is the first thing, is the first literary book that links human affairs with the Zodiac so this guy is named after Manilius. Why, why, why would you... What kind of family is this? <laughs> I wonder. Okay. Now, here's where I'm going to make some stretches here. Okay. And, and again, I'm just drawing lines. I don't have enough facts to say that this is true. But is it possible that Untermeyer was married to a woman... Minnie Carl that was into the occult now her her patron of the arts title would have put her in touch with a lot of people in New York City at the time possibly Alistair Crowley wow okay she used to have parties and invite people to Unto Gardens that were writers and musicians and poets and people like that is it possible again got no proof Is it possible that Alistair Crowley was a guest maybe one day at Untemeyer Gardens? Did he attend that place? David Berkowitz told Maury Terry that Untemeyer rubbed elbows with Alistair Crowley. That's the quote. Rubbed elbows and was a member of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Wow. So. Um, 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 maybe it's a stretch maybe it's not why would a guy who was supposedly so pro-Jewish marry a non-Jewish woman who possibly has an occult background or definitely may have been rubbing shoulders with people in the occult based on her patron of the arts okay now this man Untermeyer, blackmailed a president of the United States in order to put in a person in the Supreme Court of his liking and his choosing now this person was very instrumental in getting us into World War 1 okay which basically uh changed the order that war changed the 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 world order of the world toppling germany and europe as the most powerful people in the world to the United States the creation of the Federal Reserve in 1914 marks also the beginning of World War I we get involved three years later after a series of events involving some American citizens the sinking of the Lusitania the sinking of the SS Sussex and other events possibly at the Mexican border and other things did that get us into that war See what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's See weird. what I'm getting at? Yeah. Okay. Now, Son of Sand cult. Why did they pick that location? Well, seems like there's occult symbols in the garden. And if Berkowitz knew that Untermyer was a member of the Golden Dawn, then there must have been people much older than him involved in this cult because he supposedly only got into the cult about a year before the murders, 1974-75. Okay, they, these these murders in Yonkers and Untermeyer Park, and Manny Grossman talks about this, but they were going on for decades, even going back to the fifties, or maybe even the twenties, or maybe even during Untermeyer's time. Why did he build an altar underneath that little temple with the Roman columns? It's wild, dude. What this... kind of sacrifices yeah. would you do on an altar? Okay, they've dug up bodies in Untermeyer Park. Okay, over the decades. There's reports of that going back to the sixties. Okay. Children have disappeared from Yonkers' orphanages. The 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 you know, in, in Maury Terry's book, yeah, they talk about possibly sacrificing children. We know dogs were sacrificed, they found German shepherds. That's all part of the Son of Sam story. All right. So I wanted today. To, to, you know, to really drop this on everybody as the first episode of The Roots of Son of Sam. We're going to talk more about these things in coming episodes over the next maybe few weeks or months. Okay, uh, Manny Grossman has do, done a great show. Check out his YouTube channel under Manny Grossman. He's putting a lot of information out there. Uh, but I wanted to take this in a little bit of a different direction than what he's doing because I found it so fascinating that... Untermeyer Park has this creepy feel. It made me think why this park? Who was Sam Untermeyer? Yeah. And when I started researching this, okay, it blew my mind. All right. Um, a lot of the stuff I found online, just searching Untemeyer and 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 it just led me from one thing to another to another. The stuff about the the Woodrow Wilson being blackmailed is out of Benjamin Friedman's book. OK, um, where and he was, uh, uh, you know, in the Zionist movement and left the movement, broke away from it, uh, even converted to Christianity. But during that movement, he knew onto He knew what onto to Woodrow Wilson. He wrote about it, uh, talked about Brandeis and and, you know, the involvement in, in eventually trying to obtain uh, a Jewish homeland and all that. Now, you know, I, I just was blown away when I started doing all this. I'm like, this is like geopolitics. This is like world level shit. Okay. But on one level, it's world level stuff. And on another level, there's an occult thing going on here. Right. I mean, there, you know, there, there's it's definitely def- some connection here.
0: There's uh, definitely a lot of shit going on, man. Like,
1: yes. What h- high levels of shit going on here? These people you know, that were into the occult at that time in the 20th century were the elites. They were the the politicians. They were the big lawyers. They were the big judges. People wanting power all dabbled in the occult. Okay? Uh, Alistair Crowley was there. He was nicknamed the Beast, Alistair Crowley. And at one point, J.P. Morgan called Untermeyer the Beast. I thought that that was an interesting coincidence. If it is a coincidence. It's fucking... It's
0: all so crazy, man. Like, you know what? Uh, you, you, and you can see how this lead that all these people, they were all leaders and they all worked, uh, they all had the same bedfellows. And so you start looking it up, one name links to another name to another name, and it works all the way to the top. Yeah, exactly.
1: Works all the way to the top.
0: Because you, once you blackmail the president, you try to put this guy and guess what? That goes all the way to the top.
1: Yeah. And it influenced world decisions okay <clears> out <throat> of the outcome of world war one you know world war one like i said was a stalemate until our involvement okay and that kind of tipped the scales a little bit towards the allied powers and, and they were able to crush germany back push them back again no, no 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 part of the war was ever fought in germany no allied troops ever went in that was saved for world war ii now, I'll just mention in passing as we wrap up the show is that, you know, Untermeyer went on into, you know, uh, an old age. He was supposed to retire uh, and in the 1930s, but he never really did. He, 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 he just loved being involved with these things. Uh, he was on almost a world stage or definitely a national stage. Uh, he basically, you know, made a speech Coming off a steamship from England uh, in the 1930s, saying that you know Hitler is is going to kill all the German people, and we need to have a boycott of Germany. And this speech was made at the docks when he got off the ship, and a boycott was begun. Okay, uh, the Zionist movement protested all over New York City, any places that were carrying german-made goods okay uh it was said that woolworth had to dump the, uh, millions of dollars worth of dishes and, and crockery and pots and pans and stuff which is something that germany exported to the united states in those days we would well, buy a lot buy of but Budweiser. <laughs> <laughs> Budweiser bud? yeah, well maybe I, I don't know i, I did mean did they it, weiser just called it bud <laughs> yeah right the german Brooklyn, you had the Schaefer Brewery at that time. You had the Rheingold Brewery at that time. The Schlitz Brewery was all in Brooklyn. You know, those people were affected by what was going on in this protest movement. Now, not going to get into the politics of it, but, you know, I think it's interesting that Antimaya actually had this much power at the time. Now, he would pass away in 1940, and he obviously didn't see us defeat Hitler. Okay, which I'm sure he would have loved. And Hitler needed to be defeated. I'll just add that. But yeah, he's buried up in Woodlawn Cemetery in a very interesting looking uh, grave. It's yeah, a, it's like it's, a little kid with a woman or something. Is that the one? Uh, it's very tall. It has these like doors on it that open on all sides. Yeah, but he's he got big, some creepy statues. Doesn't yeah, it? it's just one of those real creepy, you know, old, old world monuments to himself you know i i I didn't look at it that closely uh but i maybe i'll go up there one day and i'll I'll look at it check out what it is maybe there's something on the grave that gives it away you know if there is any occult uh (laughs) belief man there might be you know there might be some symbol there might be something uh might do that but uh so that's all i got for you today mr rossi
0: Wow, man, you took us to a fascinating journey. And this is um, anytime we do series like this, they always do very well. Like you we did the uh, the monster series did well. The the church stuff did well. Yeah. And um, I always I always say one day I'm gonna tell uh I'm gonna tell my story of the Bible and how I how I how I navigate the Bible from a cult to bribery to scandal to uh, blackmailing.
1: Well, I mean, the <laughs> Old Testament is full of a lot of people getting lumped up. And so it's all about <laughs> when you think about it. all
0: this stuff. All this stuff just keeps recording. It's just different names, different people, different times. It just keeps, everything keeps being recycled, believe it or not. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, Amazing. His, history repeats itself, right? Yeah, and it keeps, even though we know it, and we It try, keeps it, happening. It keeps happening. <laughs> That's because there's only so many combinations of evil, I guess. Yeah.
0: So, Mike, this is another great show, man. You kicked you out of the uh, ballpark, and um, we'll get back to you guys with another part of the the roots of the son of Sam real this, soon. This is um, an ongoing series that we'll give you updates all the time, and uh, we'll continue doing this. And um, the more information we get, the more we're gonna tell you. And uh, Mike done a lot of research, so um, he's doing a good work. He's doing a hell of a job uh, keeping us up
1: with uh, new ways of thinking and
0: seeing people from the
1: past. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 definitely a lot a lot of connections with this case. With, I mean, like I said, almost at a almost at a world stage level, almost. Yeah, it's right. bizarre. It's crazy. Yeah. You know what? You think of all
0: that stuff that almost leads to the creation of the United Nation.
1: Yes, and and what's yeah? I mean, and what is that? You know, yeah. There's there's, there's a lot crazy of crazy that it is. Yep.
0: So. <laughs> oh <laughs> my right. god, that that just blew my mind. Yeah,
1: yeah. So,
0: all right. So, like we always do, don't get drunk, get lumped, get lumped up, people, up, and we'll see you next week. Take care.